Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. in on that this year. I, I found this scripture. It's this weird little text in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Most people don't read 1 Timothy. It's called a pastoral epistle because Paul is trying to teach Timothy, a young pastor, how to be a good pastor. And he says this to him. It's really weird. He goes, hey, look, you're going to have some rich people in your church, by the way. And you need to know that rich people have different problems than other people. You need to know that they have different issues, different temptations, different whatever. And I'm going to teach you what you need to tell rich people, which is weird, right? Like, It just feels weird. But I thought, well, if Paul said it, it might be worth passing along. And and the reason why it might be worth passing along now is, is because Paul links this idea of how to be rich with legacy. And we'll wrap it all up together at the end of the day today. But, But here's what we've learned so far. What we learned was is that the first lesson in being rich is you have to recognize how rich you are. Like that's a really big step because most of us don't, feel rich. If I were to ask any of you one-on-one, like, hey, are you rich? You would all say, no, heck no. God, no. Do you know what my credit's like? Anyway, you would, you, you would have all these reasons. And what you would do is, is you would compare yourself to other people and you would say, no, 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 they're rich. I mean, dear Lord, they, they're rich. I'm not rich. They're rich. But the problem is, is that we actually don't know how rich we are because if you only compare yourself to people richer than you, you will never feel rich. And if you never feel rich, you'll never learn how to be rich. And the Bible doesn't teach you how to get rich. It just teaches you how to be rich. So you got to recognize how rich you are because, and this is, again, nobody gets excited when I tell them this, but if you make more than $40,000 a year, you're one of the top 2%, 1% of wage earners in the world. Now, that's incredible. See, our problem is we keep comparing ourselves to rich people. If we just compared ourselves to the world, we'd be like, wow, maybe I am rich. Maybe I do have it really good. Because, again, rich people have problems that uh, poor people don't have. Like, I'm going to give you a couple examples, right? Here's, here's a problem. In the summertime when it gets really hot, has your AC ever gone out? And you're like, oh, my gosh. My AC, well, one of my AC units went out. I have to stay downstairs instead of being upstairs, you know, or, or my AC unit went out. I just want you to know that's a rich person problem. Because poor people don't have ACs. <laughs> poor people may not have houses. You have a house? That's crazy. A lot of people don't have a house. You have a house? And again, we've, we've kind of joked about this. Some of you have a house for your car, but you actually kicked your car out because you got so much crap that it took over your car house and now he got kicked out, or she got kicked out, depending on if it's a sports car, it's a she. So, and you have little homes for your clothing, and you have, you have all kinds of weird things. And again, only rich, only rich people have AC problems. I just thought I, I would let you know that. Here, here's another one. Sometimes we complain about the limited amount of vacation time we get. We're like, I only get two weeks of vacation time. Unbelievable. I ought to get three or four. I only get two. So you're telling me you get two weeks where people pay you not to go to work. That's a rich person problem. That's not a poor person problem. Poor, poor people live hand to mouth. Poor people don't, poor people may not have jobs. Let alone the jobs that they have might not pay well and the, what they pay, they certainly aren't getting paid not to go to work. That's a rich person problem. Um, this is another one we complain about. This is a rich nation problem. You know, in our, in our politics, we complain and argue and fight over healthcare. That's a rich nation problem. Poor nations don't argue about whether people get health healthcare or not. It's not even an option. 
We only argue about it because it's a possibility. Whether you think it's right or wrong is irrelevant. I'm just letting you know it's a rich nation problem. It's a rich person problem. When you argue and fight over health care. Here's another one. Y'all remember this? This I'm going to end on this one because this is the best. Ready? Do y'all remember a couple years ago when they said we couldn't water our lawn? Do you know the types of conversations that we had? Oh my gosh, I can't, my yard is dying. They only want me to water my yard like on even days or odd days or certain times of the night and I can't. And if it spills out onto the sidewalk, bless God, they find me. Somebody threatened to find me because I put my water on. And here, here's what you know, that's a rich person problem. Because see, what you're telling me is, is that you're upset that you can't take perfectly good, clean drinking water and just spray it all over the, the, the strips of sod that you bought to put into a yard that you own in front of a house that you live in and other people, do you know how many people it's like, I, I think it's like 700 million people on the planet don't have access to good, clean, consistent drinking water. And we're hacked off because we can't just spray it all over our yard every freaking day of the week. We're like, no, I need my grass has got patches in it. It's it's we are so okay. We have problems. They're real problems. They're rich people problems. We might want to just take a step back and be aware and recognize how rich we are. Now, the second thing that he tells them is this: that was ever said that was good. You know that was good. Y'all got quiet up in here like a Methodist church, but that was good. But the second thing that we learned, the apostle Paul said this, he goes, well, not only recognize, cause you might be rich. And if you, if you don't know that you're rich, you'll take all those scriptures towards rich people and you'll read right over them, assume the other guy, that's for them. But it, you didn't know it was actually for you cause you're, you're more rich than you think you are. But he says this, so he goes, don't be arrogant and whatever you do, don't trust in riches. There's a temptation for rich people to become arrogant. And the arrogance comes from, we think that we did it. We think we pulled it off. We think we got there. We think we did all the effort to like make ourselves cause any type of rich person, they're temptation normally is is well well i worked really hard and we don't know you're like a turtle sitting on a fence post you did not get there by yourself you didn't choose when you were born or who you were born to or what time you were born or what nation you were born you didn't choose the body you were given or the mind that functioned you didn't have anything to do with any of that stuff you didn't converge on any of those things god did that and so there's a there's an arrogance maybe to think well i worked hard this is mine i worked hard for it or you just put your trust in it meaning like as long as there's money in the bank I'm confident, but if there's not money in the bank, I have no confidence. What does that tell you? Well, my, my faith, my confidence is in my stuff, not in the God who richly provides me with all the stuff. And poor people don't have that problem. The reason why poor people don't put their faith in, 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 in wealth is because they don't got none. So where does their faith go? Have you ever noticed that when you're jacked up and hurt up is when your faith is at its strongest? It's at its sharpest. Why? Because you recognized, I got nothing else. You also realize this too. You also realize that all the wealth that you accumulate, even then it doesn't fix everything. Like Steve Jobs died of pancreatic cancer. Like you get the doctor calling you with weird things you've never heard of. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Again, if your faith is in your riches, what is your life? Because there's a, you wait till your marriage falls apart. There's not enough money that can fix certain things. There's a, wait until your kids fly off the deep end. There's not enough money that can fix that stuff. There, you, you can have money in the bank, but still not have peace in your heart and peace in your mind. Mm. Somebody say amen. Like, I feel like I'm all alone up here. Like, that was, that was good too. I'll just amen myself all day. Don't worry about it. I got this. So, so today, you can tell me I'm, I'm sick and I'm probably on drugs. So anyway, so today I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the bow on it. 
because Pastor Dick will be here, and then the week after that, I got something special. But 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 today we'll put a little bow on it because he says he says the last thing here. You ready? So let, let's just read it all together. So we're reminded. He goes, "Command those who are rich." That might be us. Actually, it is us. Let's just be honest. I have a house. I have two cars. One for me and my wife. It's crazy. Command those who are rich in this present world. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth because that's uncertain. Actually, you want to put your hope in God who rich, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's interesting. But here's where he goes next. This is where we'll land today. Command them because this is what he tells you to do. He goes, hey, don't, don't, don't be arrogant. Don't put your faith in it. But here's what you actually want to do. Command them to do what? To do. Everybody say it together. Everybody say command them to do. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. So he tells you what you ought to do now. Not what you ought to be aware of or be tempted from or whatever it is. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be good. Like, not be good, do good. The rest of the Bible is probably teaching you how to be good. I don't know that we're great at that, but we're trying-ish. He's like, I'm not telling you to be good. If you are rich and you have more than you need, the answer is not just be good. Do good. See, there's something weird, and this is statistically proven, that if you look at people as their wealth increases, their charitable giving actually on percentage decreases. And the opposite is true, that when you look at people who actually don't have a lot, they give away a higher percentage of their wealth than people who have more. So there's just something crazy going on here because, again, you would think, well, I, because I'm rich, I've got more money. I would be able to give more, but the stats just don't bear it out because we never got the message that if you're rich, you are uniquely blessed, not just to be good, but actually to do good. That God's equipped you in a unique way to do good like only rich people can do. To be generous like only rich people can be generous. And, and that's what the command and the encouragement is to be. It's to do something good. To be rich in good deeds. Because here's the problem with rich people. Because rich people have more money than they need, what happens is, is that we have options. Right? Because poor people don't have options. Rich people have options. Rich people's like, they take trips. They go, they go to, like sometimes y'all are not at church because y'all took a trip, right? And I always make fun of you because I'm like, stop going to Lake Tahoe. You know, it's like, go on a Tuesday. There's less traffic. So, but the, the, the point is, is that you have, uh, when you're rich, you have options. And the reason why many of us don't do good is because we have so many options. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, you can go to a movie. Why? Because you got money. You got more than you need. You have enough money. You can go to a, you can go to a restaurant. You can take a trip. You can do all kinds of different things. You've got hobbies. Poor people don't have hobbies. Surviving is the point. Like go look at the world and look at the way the world operates. Not in America, the world. We have access to stuff that other people don't have access to. And so we have social events. We got vacation destinations. We've got sport. We go to sporting events. We pay lots of money to go watch people play a sport. Get your head wrapped around that for a minute. It is billions and billions and billions. Of, and I'm not against it. I love sports, but I just want to get you. That's a rich nation problem. When you spend billions and billions of people to watch people play a game, you're not trying to survive. Does that make sense? Like we have extra. And so again, he's saying, hey, you've got extra time. See, when you have, remember when I talked about clean drinking water? See, here's what people that don't have clean drinking water have to do. They have to grab a jug and walk four miles carrying jugs of water. Do you know that takes a lot of time? You know what you do for water? 
That's it. You go to a faucet, you have about five of them in your home, and you, or you do this. And then the clean drinking water comes out. It's crazy. You know what that provides you with? More time. So you got more time, you got more money. And that's the problem that we all run into is that we have more. And instead of using it to be rich in good deeds, many times we become wasteful. Because you know this to be true. Anytime you have excess of something, you normally become wasteful. When you got too much time on your hands, you waste time. Can I get it? What, what? Yeah. And when you have too much money on waste money. That's just the way that it is. So, so he says, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. And the next thing he says is this. He says, and to be generous. Again, as only rich people can be, be generous and be willing to share. This is the idea behind being rich. That if you, if you recognize how rich you are, you got to say, wow, I've got extra. I've got more than I need. What am I doing with that? Because if all my extra time and all my extra money just goes to stuff that's not eternal, it's not important, it doesn't make a difference, it doesn't change hearts and minds, it doesn't change, it doesn't help people, it doesn't do any of that stuff, you have to ask yourself, okay, where, what is the meaning then, or the worth then, of my life? What was the point of being rich? What was the point of being born in the richest nation that ever existed and having all that I have? What was the point? And so again, you gotta ask yourself, Am I rich? Do I have more than I need? And if so, what am I doing? Because Paul's commanding, he goes, no, no, you'd be rich in good deeds. Be generous and be willing to share. Now, now here's the good question, right? Because the question becomes this. Okay, Todd, I get you. I'm supposed to be willing to share generous, good deeds, all that good stuff. What does that look like? How do we be rich in good deeds and how do we become generous? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. The answer, I think, is this, is that you have to pre-decide how you spend your time and money. Let me say it again. You have to pre-decide how you spend your time and money. And I'll prove it to you because this is what rich people do. What rich people do is, is rich people have like a paycheck, right? And then before they get their full paycheck, they have stuff taken out of it before they even get it. And it goes into like an account. It could be like a 401k or an IRA or some type of investment account. And what they do is, is that they're incrementally investing into their future. This is what rich people do. And all of you are like, Hey, I do that. So my point is, is that this is how you live your whole life. Is it's it's is something that we decide in advance. I'm going to be generous. Like I want you to know this: the kingdom is not built on spontaneous giving. It's not. So when it comes to your time and when it comes to your money, I don't want you to be like in the mood. I'm feeling it. Pastor Todd's sermon was really good today. I guess I'll give. No, 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 no. Rich people don't do that. Rich people don't like randomly and spontaneously decide to set aside something for their future. They plan. It's steady. Plotting is what the Bible teaches. And that's the way you do it. So you just, because can you imagine you do this with your time too? Can you imagine if you showed up to church and all of our volunteers did not work on a schedule? They just did spontaneous volunteering. You imagine what that looked like? All you parents went to your, you know, exact classroom. You went over to fours and fives. Like, I don't know. It's a crapshoot every week. Depends on if one of those volunteers is feeling spontaneous or not. Can you imagine if Joanna was like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like singing today. I don't feel like I'm not going to sing. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in the spirit. I'm not feeling it right now. You know what I tell Joanna? I'm like, get your butt up there and you sing. I don't care if you feel spirit or not. You better find some spirit. Right? Like, I'm sick. I don't care. I'm getting over here. I'm preaching the Bible. There are, you know it takes about 40 different volunteers every single Sunday to make this experience happen? Yeah, it's not spontaneous either. There are people. Yeah, give them a hand. It's not spontaneous. Delato yells at lots of people to make this happen. I'm kidding. He doesn't yell at anybody. 
He really doesn't. He's a nice guy. He, but he volunteer. He coordinates a lot of our volunteers. Janine's coordinating a bunch of children's volunteers. We, the team is coordinating all that they do. This is not spontaneous. Well, guess what? Our, our giving's the same way. That the, and funny enough, the bulk of our giving now is actually done online. And, the, and then the bulk of that is actually done through reoccurring giving. And this is what rich people did. Rich people said, you know what? The church is important. The kingdom is important. And I need to pre-decide. And so what they did was, is they literally, well, I do this. This is what me and my wife do. We, we have already pre-decided because we know how much our, our percentage is and we know what we're going to give in advance. And so we're like, well, bump that. I just put it in. I just, I have to, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm committed. I'm done. I'm all in. I'm, I, and I get this little email every, every month saying, oh, you gave this or oh, you get this or whatever. And then we did the same thing when legacy came along. We were like, okay, what what can we give? What can we sacrifice? What can we cut out of our normal budget? Boom. We can do this every single month. And we just made it a reoccurring gift. And that's how you do. You pre-decide. Because here's what happens when you don't pre-decide. When you don't pre-decide to commit to something like that, you give it your leftovers. Now, have you ever had like company come over to your house? And you knew like important people were coming over to your house? What did you do? I mean, if you're a good host... You plan, Vito, you're a great host. You plan, you prepare, you clean the house, you have a menu, you do some food, you do something. Now you, you consider that, right? Because that's what you do. You, you're, you, again, this is what rich people do. They think ahead. They think in advance. They think, they plan. Can you imagine if some guests came over to your house and you're like, well, let's go see what's in the fridge, you know? <laughs> hey, last night, my wife made an amazing meatloaf. You want some of it? You, can you imagine just giving your guest all your leftovers? You're like, do you, you, you smell it? Yeah, it's about three days old, but I think it's still good. See, that's what we do many times. We come to the kingdom. And because we're not pre-planning and pre-deciding with our time and with our money, we give God our leftovers. I'm not trying to guilt you, I promise. I'm trying to get you to change the way that you think. I'm getting you to change because I want you to see the Bible doesn't teach you how to get rich. It teaches you how to be rich. I'm telling you, this is how you be rich. As a matter of fact, this is the whole concept behind tithing, particularly in the Old Testament. So they had an idea. They were like, no, no, we're percentage givers. We just know that right off the top, it's the first, by the way, their, their tenth wasn't like a tenth. It wasn't the leftover tenth. It wasn't like, well, if we, cause here's what I know about you. This is really, really funny too. Guys, maybe especially. Have you ever gotten creative in how to like spend money? Have you ever like thought of a thing that you wanted to buy or a trip that you wanted to take? You're like, okay, hold on. Okay. If I do this and I move this here and I sell this and I'll go donate some blood and I'll go, I'll give plasma, you know, whatever it is. And you get creative. You've done that before, right? You get creative and how to spend money. You get creative and how to buy that item. You get creative, you get sacrificial. You're like, okay, I'm going to set aside this money. I, what I'm telling you is, is I want you to have a kingdom mentality because many of us, when we come, when it comes to our kingdom giving, we don't have any thought of creativity. We have no thought of sacrifice. It's a leftover mentality. So again, the ancient idea of tithing was, no, no, we pre-decided we were going to give the first 10% of all of our income. As a matter of fact, this is, this is what it says right here in Leviticus 20. There's a bunch of scriptures on tithing. This is just one. And he goes, a tithe of everything. From the land, it's grain from the soil, fruit from the trees. I mean, they were doing livestock. They would give the firstborn of their flock. It was, it's all throughout the Old Testament. He goes, what is it? It belongs to the Lord. As a matter of fact, it is holy. Everybody say holy. It is holy to the Lord. Their word for holy meant set apart. And so they're like, no, no, this thing right here, I've set this apart. This is special. This is unique. This is God's. I don't touch this. This is his. And I have pre-decided, pre-determined, pre-allotted. I am going to do this first. And you'll kind of see this, this, this idea, I think, in scripture repeatedly. 
God is trying to get you to trust him. That's why in Malachi, he literally says this. He goes, I need you to like get in on what I'm doing. Just trust me. Like, test me in this. Trust me, trust me, trust me. You ever do this with your kids? You like beg, you like, just trust me. And I don't trust you for nothing. I won't do what you told them to do. Just, tr- just trust me. And you're begging. You ever beg with your kids, pleaded with them? Just trust me. Um, the way I like to think of it is this. Um, not too long ago, my kids came home with some candy. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, because you know, as an adult, you still have like a couple candies. You really, maybe a lot, but I have a couple. I have a couple candies. And um, there, were, there was this little candy that Caitlin had. Now, Caitlin's my youngest. And the younger you are, the, the less maturity of understanding that you have. And I'm like, oh, babe, can I have that? No. But I'm your father. No, daddy. Sweetie, can I just have one? No, they're mine. Okay, I could spank her. But that would be wrong, you know. And, and, and what, what you want to tell her is, is that, and this is the way I think we are with, with God, is, is God's like, no, no, trust me. Like, come on, be, be generous. It's good for your soul. It's good for the kingdom. It's good for others. It's good for eternity. You just got to buy in. You got to trust. You got to trust. Me. No, no, mine. And what, and see, here's what Caitlin doesn't understand is that I could go buy all the Skittles in the world. I could go to Costco and get them big old Costco size bag of Skittles. I could cover the kitchen with Skittles. I could empty every kale chip out of the kitchen and replace it all with Skittles. I could be the king of Skittle land. I could buy so many Skittles that she would become sick. I could make it to where she could have Skittles for breakfast. Because children, your parents are lying to you. You can have breakfast candy. It's not that big of a deal. It's just not wise. Okay? But I could make it so. We could make Skittle, uh, like, cereal and pour milk over and just eat. We could have Skittle parties. I am, I could be, I am master and commander of Skittle world. But what is she doing? Mine. She has one little bag. And it's not even, it's like the little fun size bag. It's not even a real bag of Skittles. It's a fun size bag of Skittles. And I'm like, babe, why don't you share your Skittles? Don't you know that I could give you all the Skittles you could ever need in this life? And so is God. We look at our stuff, which, by the way, came from God. Because your life comes from God. All things come from you. Trace it back far enough. It all comes from God. And God's like, no, no, no. Trust me. Get in on what I'm doing. I got a thing. I want you to share. I want you to be generous. I want you to give me. Come on, just give me a little bit of your Skittles. No mine and see what you don't realize is that God is the master and commander of all skittles is that God actually wants to bless you God actually wants to engage he wants you to be a part of this process with him where your generosity creates life change which creates an eternal legacy which comes back into your life as blessing it's so true that when you become a kingdom minded person it just changes you because here's what I know about you have you ever been to a restaurant and you're like oh that was good that was cool would you go back? Yeah, I'd go back. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, did you go see that movie? Yeah, it was cool. It was good. It was a good movie. Yeah. Would you go back and see it again? I don't know. I'll go see it again. It was good. It was good. You ever been a part of like a kingdom project where you went and like built a home for a person who didn't have a home and I asked you, hey, how was that? Oh, it was cool. It was all right. Would you go back again? I don't know. No, no, no. When you come back from that, you're like, it was incredible. It was the most life-changing thing in the world to be a part of changing somebody else's life, to be a part of a kingdom work, to be a part of something that made an eternal legacy. You're almost high. 
Okay? You're lit. You're like, oh my gosh, it was incredible. See, we're spending all of our money on stuff that like doesn't last. It's not going to make it. See, again, when, when you die, just a few minutes after you die, people will be arguing over your stuff. It's just the way that it is. As a matter of fact, this is how it wraps up the story. Let me, let me read 1 Timothy 6.19. 1 Timothy 6.19, he gives you the why behind he, why he wants you to be generous, rich in good deeds. He goes, in this way. In what way? Well, the generous way, the rich in good deeds way, all that stuff we just talked about. Not being arrogant and trusting God, who's the one that provides all things. In this way, you will do what? You will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of life that is truly life. See, when you finally put it all together, what you realize is this, is when I give something, I lose nothing. When I, when I give it away in the way that I'm giving towards a kingdom cause, when I'm being rich in good deeds, when I'm being generous, when I'm being kingdom minded, when I give it, it doesn't, I don't lose anything. It actually becomes an investment. It's an investment into people's lives. Because what we do here is about people. When I give it away, it makes some type of eternal difference. Because again, people are the only thing that make it into eternity. Your stuff doesn't. None of this, all your collectibles, the stuff that you get upset about, the stuff that you yell at your kids about, that ain't lasting. There are certain things in life that you can do that will make an eternal difference. And it is what you do in the lives of people. Above and above and beyond, it is what you do in the lives of people when it comes to connecting them to Christ. And that's what we're all about here. It's that simple. So what we want you to do is to take hold of life that is truly life. We want you to be in on that. We want you to partner with us. And so here's what I need you to do. In your seat is a card. It's a pledge card. Now again, next week is, is pledge week. And what I need you to do is take that card and I need you to do something just very, very simple. I want you to stick it in your Bible or stick it in your purse. And I need you to pray over it this week. And I want you to ask yourself this one question. This is it. God, what would you have me do? That's it. God, what can I do? What would you have me do? What, would, what do you want to put on my heart? What, what, how can I be rich in good deeds? How can I be generous and willing to share? God, what would you have me do? And you do whatever the Lord leads you to do. For me and my family, we literally sat down and we looked at our budget and we thought, okay, well, how much margin do we have in our monthly expenses? And if, if that's not enough, then we literally started cutting things out that weren't necessities. We said, okay, let's cut this, let's cut this. Let's create a chunk. And then we took that chunk and we said, you know what, we're going to pre-decide. And we went online literally and created a reoccurring gift just for legacy, separate from our normal giving. And we said, this is what we're going to do over these next three years. Now, again, we're entering into the third year. So here's what I want you to do. Again, you have to consider your finances. You have to pray, God, what would you have me do? What am I, uh, what am I responsible for as this person who is so richly blessed? And next week, when you come, and by the way, I want you to wear your t-shirt when you come. But when you come, we're going to actually bring our pledges and we're going to pray over them together. And if you've already pledged in the past and you say, Todd, I've already done this. I'm already a reoccurring giver. Great. We'll hug about it later when I'm feeling better. But just still fill out your card so you can participate in the moment, participate in the experience. Whatever it is that you've dedicated to give, whether that was last year or two years ago, or whether this is your very first time doing, I want you to fill out that card. And let's bring it together next week and pray over these incredible pledges. Because we believe. We believe that when you connect people to Christ, 
that you somehow, in some mysterious, unquantifiable way, that you literally lay up a treasure for a firm foundation for the life to come. And in doing so, we somehow take hold of life right here, right now, that's actually real living. Would you bow your heads with me today? So Heavenly Father, would you please lead us? Holy Spirit, would you please speak to us? God, over the last couple of weeks, hopefully we realize, God, how blessed we really are. That we are rich. We have more than we need. So God, help us to become rich in good deeds. Help us to become generous and willing to share. God, would you lead us in maybe how to give, how to predecide, how to get in on what you're doing, Lord? That is our prayer today. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. If you would, Amanda, there's a prayer I want you to take home with you. It's, it really wraps up this entire series. And uh, it's a prayer that we've said over the course of these weeks. And we're going to add to it today too. Everybody say this with me. Everybody say, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Y'all did really good. Because last week y'all were like, I don't know if I really want to say that. But you did good. It's like, I'm, it's like I'm building your confidence. Let's do it one more time. God has blessed me. With more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches. But in him who richly provides. And now we'll add to it this week. Because I have more. I'll give more. Somebody say amen to that. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.